Welcome, welcome everyone. Howdy. And welcome back to the third episode of the Back Row Lessons Yay. Podcast, season two. Uh, we yeah. are so thankful for you guys returning. Uh, we want to say, first off, thanks for the season premiere. It's mm-hmm. doing pretty well. It's already our second most listened episode. It's a record for us, right? I guess, yeah, if it's second. I mean, there's only <laughs> one way to go from there. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's probably because of the keywords I used of Roanoke. I'm scared that we're no longer talking about Roanoke. Those listeners mm. won't stay around, but please do. <laughs> I promise it will be just as funny, even though there won't be as many, you know, creepy, spooky mm. things happening. Just as much idiocracy. All they had to do was just go back and check it out. All they need to do is go back like and check it out. They were so close. All they needed to do was go to one like island. You cross an ocean and you just can't make it that far. Ugh, that island, it's too far. I mean, we, <laughs> we've sailed for five months already, but today uh, is uh, going to be just as fun. We're going to be getting back to the colonies. Uh, but first off, we just want to say thank you for not only listening to mm-hmm. that first episode, but if you've given us a review, and if you haven't, please do. It would be so, so great and mm-hmm. amazing. You can leave one now on Spotify. Spotify, Are iTunes. Are we on Audible? I tried. So oh, I haven't okay. checked yet, but hopefully. <laughs> I feel like Audible is a little bit more serious about what podcast they'll take than iTunes and uh, stuff like okay. that, because you pay for Audible and shit like that. So hopefully we'll get on there one day. Uh, That would be great. But if not, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, five stars, and a review. Five-star review, what I'm feeling today, tell us if you've ever learned to play an instrument. Right behind Nolan, I see a guitar. Uh Tell us, listener, if you've ever played an instrument and then give us five stars. And if you're really good at an instrument, tell us so we can tap you for a future intro song there and uh, let us also know if you like garlic because paul's looking at my guitar uh, but he still won't acknowledge my garlic plant nolan has a plot a plot of a, a pot of garlic there, <laughs> there and he's making it a big deal and i'm in a rivalry with this I thing of garlic texting you pictures like, i told at you i'm gonna pant. beat the car the garlic in a fight and that's the only acknowledgement you gave it you didn't I'm not say oh good job friend you didn't do anything <laughs> you put it in a pot and watered it yeah, well, it I did have to, all like, the watch hard. It. You have to watch it. It's doing all the growing. Hey, that was like some solid work. <laughs> you watch it and it grows. Now. All right, yeah. fine. I'll <laughs> give it to you. Good job. Uh, but yeah, after that, uh, info, episode, things we're about to talk about, all real. Didn't make this up. As much as I wanted to, I can't take credit for what's about to happen. I can only take credit for writing these notes down and making mm-hmm. fun of what's about to happen. But it's all real. I didn't make this up. Yeah, it's like taking information that's been rewritten, rewritten, changed, rewritten, changed, rewritten, some kind of order like that, kind of like the Bible. So Yeah, we we are just like the Bible, exactly. <laughs> I love that comparison. I didn't know where you were going with it, but I'll roll with that right now. But no, there. that's like the Bible, but like more steps. <laughs> I prefer my version, the Emoji Bible. It really gives me a the good... The Emoji Bible, is that a thing? There was a time where they were like to... I guess sell or whatever they did like Shakespeare and emoji. So I assume there's an emoji Bible out there. Oh, funny. Nice. If not, I'll get on that right away. <laughs> but on that, uh, I guess smiley face, eggplant, peach emoji crescendo. We, as we always like to say, we, we can't make this shit up. up. Oh, oh, you sorry. make this shit oh, up. Okay, I don't okay. at yeah, least. Right. All right. Yeah. We don't make this shit up. All right. 
catch up where we left off last time. We had briefly gone back to England for the main purpose of talking about a dude who got really pissed off because the queen stole his oh, sweet wine monopoly. A, I thought they made a birthing center in Jamaica. They did. That well, I mean, that comes afterwards. Okay. We're getting there to Jamaica. <laughs> You're making shit up again. God and damn the it. The first thing they made in the new civilization or colonies of America was um what is it? Cheesecake. No, I ha- I actually had somewhere to go with this. You had somewhere. Where? Uh, <clears throat> uh the numbers, you win money, the Oh, casinos? <laughs> no, close. <laughs> what? What's the other thing when you get a ticket at the gas station? Oh, lottery? No. Lottery, yeah, there we go. It was lottery, <laughs> pretty much that. Yeah. See how well that joke landed? <laughs> there we go. We can, again, we can only go up from here. That's the big important uh... thing. But James, then after the queen took away this guy's sweet wine monopoly and he tried to overtake the queen, she ate so many sweets and sugars, she died. And then there was and sh- a whole... Wait, she had a fucked up skin too, right? Uh, Probably. She was old and it's okay. the 1500s. I don't really think of good skincare routines when i think of the 1500s i feel like they're probably still bathing in the bloods of virgins wait didn't you bring that up though like she had a messed up skin no teeth Teeth. messed up teeth and also skin with the makeup with the makeup yeah wasn't who are we talking about again who are you talking about makeup no it was her teeth that were yeah the queen right yeah the queen's teeth were so bad but wasn't she allergic to her makeup no what are you talking about oh i'm pretty sure wait queen elizabeth right yeah yeah she was allergic to like her makeup allergic to makeup yeah, that's why she had like messed up skin. Makeup Queen Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. What are you what are you fucking talking about here? At the time, Elizabeth didn't remove her makeup every night. Instead, she used the same white lead makeup for a week. Oh god, I didn't know that, but that's terrible. Okay. That probably probably, so probably is why. About it. Yeah, you said it. Who knows? I'll right? take credit for the news.com.au's uh, work <laughs> on this. Sorry, who's the author here? I'll take credit for you. Too late. Uh, sorry, LJ Charleston. I said that, not you. Suck it. <laughs> and like, how was her hair? Did she have like hair at that point? Or... I assume I, I did. Because I know they wore wigs back then. Probably. So, <laughs> she, so she didn't have hair, messed up skin, rotting teeth. She could have been like Freddy Krueger. <sighs> Yeah, Yeah, she's very much a monster. (laughs) And then she died. And then James took over her son-in-law. No, not son-in-law. Nephew. That's um, Mary, Queen Queen Scott's son. son. Yes. Uh, He took over. And then there was attempts at overthrowing him. But he was able to hold on to being king. And the big thing is that whole big war with Spain, the Armada, all that fun stuff. He was able to kind of settle that. No more war. Mm. No more spending means they can put some money towards going back to America. Woo! I love that we did that in unison. <laughs> That's how you know there's chemistry. Oh, yeah. uh, now that Spanish aren't trying to kill every and any English sailor they see, uh-huh. a renewed interest in overseas expeditions came back, and it starts in 1607 with the Virginia Company and Jamestown. Mm. Uh, I saw this quick little quote. Uh, the London Company organized a for-profit expedition to se- establish a settlement in Virginia Territory in 1606. Glad that they had to specify that it was for-profit <laughs> and not against profit. They were like, don't make any fucking money on this expedition. I want you to lose it all there. <laughs> it, end of... What was that? Oh, that's just a smudge. I thought it was 1696. I was like, whoa, they took a long time to prepare. Uh, end of 1606, 104 English men and boys, 
they had to specify no girls, just men. <laughs> back to Dude men Island 2. Yeah, just men and boys hanging out across the ocean. Nothing bad <laughs> is going to happen. They left England and arrived in North America, start of 1607, to start a settlement. In May, May 13th, they picked Jamestown, what would be for jamestown in virginia for their settlement they were like this place is already named jamestown what a coincidence (laughs) our king is named james i think we should choose that uh named after the king this settlement would become the first permanent english settlement in north america you know besides roanoke that totally failed multiple times this is the this is the one that actually lasts here very nice nice uh the site for jamestown actually had to meet some criteria laid out by the company who as they were the funders of this operation, they could kind of, you know, make the rules. Mm-hmm. It had to be a good settlement. Uh, first off, had to be surrounded by water on three sides and pretty in far inland, and then also be easily defensible against a possible attack. So they had to be okay. inside a little bit. They can't be just on the coast. They're like, we see these tornadoes and hurricanes, can't deal with that anymore. Had to be kind of a almost a peninsula water on three sides okay um so a perfect balance of like how far to go into the land i y- guess yep and then uh so the second criteria was the water had to be deep enough that the english could tie their ships at the shoreline so they couldn't you know ram into the fucking ocean like they're like the <clears throat> i mean i know like with old ships they had like the smaller ships that would go to shore and back Is yeah it like those or the actual giant ship itself? the bigger ships there they can okay, come up nice. there yeah so it's Make not like just a little more easier yeah and then the third criteria was it was not inhabited by any natives uh and then i saw the rep- how would they like know that they would have to like get there and spend time there to figure it out wait 20 minutes and if no one shows up that's yours uh <laughs> and then i saw a report on the spot that was chosen so just to recap surrounded by water on three sides, so not an island, inland, and easily defensible, and deep waters, and then no natives there. The land they chose was swampy, isolated, plagued by mosquitoes, only had brackish tidal waters, unsuitable for drinking, <laughs> and was the, the settlers where they chose to live was the local Powhatan Indians hunting lands, too. So oh, wow. Three of the three criteria... O for three right there. <laughs> Obviously, we have to choose so it, this spot right oh now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they were like, we got this. We chose first in the draft, and we got it right. Uh, once this spot was chosen, the instructions sent by the Virginia company were read aloud to the settlers. So uh, nice little gathering right there. First major project was building a fort, which was completed within a few weeks. And this is the best time in Jamestown's history. Everything else is going to get terrible. It's just going downhill from here, and it's already been a few weeks. (laughs) So they make it for it, but they enjoy doing it? I don't even know if they enjoy it, but... (laughs) It was the only thing that wasn't shitty. It was the only thing, because from now, after these first few weeks, the settlers begin to die from a variety of diseases. The, (laughs) The drinking water, how I mentioned that it was brackish tidal river water, yeah, which was unsuitable for drinking... It was salty or slimy most of the time in these nearby rivers, so they really didn't have access to clean water. Okay. Not a good start. Uh, What is this? Uh, The death toll was high. They were dying from swellings, fluxes, fevers, famine, and sometimes by wars. So (laughs) it's already going out very strong. Food. Was running low already. A lot to take in for like a few weeks. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, this is the (laughs) first, 
like first season. It's just the first few months, and they are already. It's just like the plague hit them. It's, <laughs> they had disobeyed God. Uh, the chief of the Powhatan, the natives in the area, started to send gifts of food to help the English. Uh, if not for this help, the settlement would have most likely failed, as the English would have died from the diseases or, or starvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, many in this group were either gentlemen or their, quote, manservants, who were both equally unused to the hard labor, or hard labor demanded by farming and a colony. So imagine a bunch of like managers and bureaucrats being sent to go set up a new world. Yeah. No one has experience on farming or <laughs> anything of usefulness there, so they were starving. I might have lied on my resume. <laughs> that is pretty much the equivalent. Farming in a foreign land. <laughs> oh, I totally have experience there. The manservant will do it who only helped me inside the manor there. Uh, this was all despite relations being mixed since the arrival of the English and meeting the Powhatans. You know, no one's really a fan of each other at this point here. Okay, yeah. Uh, by late 1609, so two years or so in, mm-hmm. the relation already longer than Roanoke, but not by much. So uh, wait, are like the English technically kind of squatting in a way? I think so. So the big thing is this was the hunting grounds, but it was so poorly received by the natives. Like it was plagued by mosquitoes. It was swampy. Okay. It don't. It didn't have good drinking water. Even they, they knew not to have a permanent settlement there because it's terrible. <laughs> so they weren't, uh, as we're going to find out in later episodes, they weren't as pissed off about people taking this land as other times because they were like, oh, pff, fuck it, it's swamps. You know, it's pretty much that. We don't need that as much. By late 1609, like I said, two years, the relationship mm-hmm. between the Powhatans and the natives has soured. Uh, you want to guess why? Um... Someone wasn't invited to a party or something like that. Exactly. They stole a small little tea kettle. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's because the English were demanding too much food during a drought. During uh, a drought. Okay. The I say. So they were living beyond their means. Very much. And research, you know, later on research, mm-hmm. shows that this was the worst drought of this region in 700 years. <laughs> and it had occurred between 1606 and 1612. And that's not like influenced like by climate change. No, that you is know, just 1,000% just... luck. They chose the absolute worst time. They didn't worst know place. At worst time and place <laughs> in 700 years to choose. <laughs> the winter of... How were they able to figure that out? I mean, this is later on. This is like modern climate research. Yeah. They were able to look at like... But still, Long I'm, term. I'm just impressed by how they can figure that out now. You couldn't like... choose those odds in, in Vegas, I'll be honest. <laughs> the winter of 1609 going into uh, 1610 is known colloquially as the, quote, starving time. I wonder why it's called the starving time. Mm, I, I nice. don't know. During that winter, the English were afraid to leave the fort due to fear of being killed by the local Powhatans. So, okay. <laughs> in desperation... The settlers ate anything that they could. Various animals, leather from their shoes and belts, mm. and even sometimes fellow settlers who had already died. Oh, uh, so that's just just desperation. Very much desperation. How do you like eat wait, did I hear that right? The leather? Leather from their shoes and belts. They would eat that? They if they were so desperate for 
I guess calories. Would you get anything from that, maybe? Or I don't know. I don't know. I have a leather belt on. You want to try? You you want to bite? (laughs) Oh, okay. I should have taken that associates with leather science at (laughs) that community college in the area. Beltery? (laughs) Belt sciences. Uh, By the start of 1610, Mm -hmm. a majority of the settlers, some reports say 80%, some reports say 90% had died to starvation and disease. Okay, so they're all like almost wiped out. Yeah, the most they said were one in five was surviving, and other estimates said one in ten. Uh, quote, it seemed certain at that time that the colony at Jamestown would meet the same fate as earlier English attempts to settle in North America, specifically the Roanoke Colony. Like I had planned out these episodes, or something. I don't know. Uh, again, oh, I, I put this time, I put this quote in there twice. This time was called the starving time. That's how much I wanted to reinforce this. That so they're basically going through the same thing that everybody's going through when they're getting to this place. So yeah, it's when starving, it's a few months, in, a few years into starving. Okay. Uh, during this time, the lack of food drove people to eat snakes and boil, you know, leather. Okay. Starving at settlers at the Jamestown colony also resorted to cannibalism Ugh. at some point, eating a 14-year-old girl. Uh, I thought you said it was all guys and boys or whatever. I assume they had some mission. That was like the initial settlement, and then uh, more people had come. Uh, I so found- people came in winter? Yeah. When they first got there? Okay. Or it's They came in 1607. This is 1609, so okay. people have come. I found a nice little... Uh, kind of segment or quote on it uh, about this cannibalism. Douglas Awalzi was the forensic anthropologist in his field. Was the forensic anthropologist? Oh, was the lead forensic anthropologist in his field for the Smithsonian that looked at the body of the 14-year-old girl. Okay. As one of the country's most prominent physical anthropologists, he analyzed many cannibalized skeletons from ancient history and as an accomplished forensic investigator who works with the FBI, he also worked on much more recent cases, such as one of the victims of the 1980 serial killer and cannibal, Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, so, damn. So the guy who uh, was looking at the body of this 14-year-old girl also looked at Jeffrey Dahmer. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, he was a forensic anthropologist with the FBI at that time. So <laughs> weird connection from history to Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, at least there's like solid experience in there. Though, He's like, I've actually. seen these bite marks before. Jeffrey Dahmer's 500 years old. Son of a bitch. <laughs> God damn it. Had we known, we could have saved so many people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if not for a series of scheduled resupply missions, the James Ca- Jamestown colony would have definitely collapsed on itself. Okay. So that's how these people started coming in. Uh, this is a quote on the first resupply mission, which happened less whoa, than... Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you were saying like, since they were getting people coming back all the time, that's like why it was yeah, a they success? Had, instead, they one thing they learned from... Roanoke was, oh, we should probably send a resupply mission before they come asking for one. Yeah. We should probably plan those out. Those things probably work out okay, that way. Okay, cool. So nice. They, they finally got that Yeah, they, they realize, oh, it ne- we can't just send people there and they're just going to build society. <laughs> they might need some regular help there. Uh, this is a quote on the first resupply mission, which happened less than two years after the initial voyage. Uh-huh. Quote, upon return to Jamestown, they found that the effects of 
of the lack of planning and lack of skills amongst the original colonists combined with Powhatan attacks had quickly reduced the original settlement to only 38 survivors. They had initially set out with over 100. Okay, so the lack of experience. I thought you were going for, like, you know, keeping a town together, but it was basically warfare. Uh, It's hard to set up a town when you can't even, like, do the basics, yeah. like feed yourself and shit like feed that. Feed yourself, put it together, defend yourself. Yeah, like, like if you can't even get those first two, attacking them is going to be really fucking easy. So in total, there Dude, were... like if you had Minecraft, you'd be so prepared I know, if, for if those. If only the English had Minecraft before <laughs> they had set out on fucking colonization, the world would have been totally different. In total, there would be more than three resupply missions within the first decade of the colony. So that was like I was saying, they kind of learned from that, like, oh... We should send them. We okay. we should do that, not wait for them to come to <laughs> us. Uh, the the Powhatans, the natives in the area, were not silently letting the colonists set up, and then I also add this on, then die on their lands. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we could just wait them out, and they're definitely going to go away. Like, yeah. <laughs> we got this. Uh, the chief Powhatan, uh, and I believe that's his name, is Powhatan, and that's kind of like where the name comes from. I could be wrong on that. I'm probably wrong, but... I believe that's what I saw. But the chief wanted Captain John Smith and the colonists to move out the swamp and live in one of his satellite towns where they would make metal tools for him in exchange for full provisions. What if you joined me? (laughs) What if you became one of us here? (laughs) What about that? And Captain John Smith is like, I don't speak this fucking language. I don't yeah. know what the hell he's telling me. <laughs> so they wanted the white guy? They Well, they wanted all the white guys to oh, work guys? for them. Oh, Yeah, they okay. wanted, they would pretty much, they were like, oh, you're setting up a colony? What if it's a colony for me? Yeah, like, okay. like, you can come live that. in my town, work for me, I'll give you food and whatever. Just, we won't have to attack you. Everyone wins. I mean, it's worth a try. You gotta give I, credit, I mean, yeah, you know? that's called negotiations. Yeah. You got to throw it out on the table. There. They say no, great. You walk away. If they get angry about it, it's like, hey, you can just say no. Boom. Renegotiate. <laughs> uh, and if you heard that, that is John Smith from the Pocahontas story. Uh, but he vastly underestimated the Native Americans' ability to fight back, eventually finding him captured by the Native Americans on multiple occasions. <laughs> Wait, the guy from the Pocahontas story? You remember watching Pocahontas? Yeah, is it the bad guy? No, but I'm about to mention him. John Smith is her love interest. Oh, the good guy. Yeah, the blonde-haired guy. Oh, I, I haven't watched him since I was like a toddler. Me so. neither, but I had, to, I had to look up this because it's about to get weird. So the uh, good guy is John Smith? I think so. Hold on. John Smith. And who's he again? Pocahontas. A Poca- well, not more than that. I'm looking it up. Yeah, okay. he's the blonde guy that falls in love with Pocahontas. Whoa. The second photo on Google Images is someone's image of them. But look at this. I didn't mean to find this own image. They're pregnant. Okay. <laughs> and they're in the African safari. That is really weird. Yeah, so that is someone weird. just drew a picture of Pocahontas in a wedding dress pregnant. Like, you know, maternity photos <laughs> that couples take. But he's... But he, like, rewrote, remade the pictures of those a... characters. And he... then there's an actual photo in the background of what? Is it, like, what kind of animals is it there? It looks like gazelles, but yeah. I'm looking at John Smith. She's in a wedding dress pregnant. <laughs> yeah. He's in a t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> so he's in jeans. To, all you have to do is Google pregnant... No, not even pregnant. Just John Smith Pocahontas. I'm posting it on social media, but it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Oh, and then we get the follow-up. This is them married. Look at that. Oh. She does not look enthused about this wedding. What was this regarding to again? Okay, so John Smith, we're talking about John Smith. Okay. 
she, he or, gets did her we just pregnant. Introduce them or did I just yeah, he, we just so he okay. is <laughs> the leader of Jamestown. He is their captain. Ah. He's negotiating with the Native Americans. He underestimates them and thinks that he should be out on his own. But in his life, he's going to get captured by them multiple times. <laughs> so underestimate this bitch. Uh, okay. Raids on the colonies and attempts by colonists to trade for supplies resulted in ambushes, causing tensions on both sides to rise. So okay. we don't like you. You don't like us. Late 1609, the captain and the president of the colony of Jamestown, uh, John Ratcliffe, was desperate for supplies for the colony, uh-huh. uh, where he eventually went to a gathering of natives that was said to also be an opportunity to trade for food. Now, not to go off on another quick tangent, but I do need to do this. Okay. Now, now John Ratcliffe, that is John Ratcliffe, captain and president of the colony of Jamestown, not John Ratcliffe, the currently embattled former U.S. House Representative John Ratcliffe <laughs> of Texas that is facing accusations of funneling $30,000 from his political campaign to his wife and resigned from his position of Director of National Intelligence where he made untrue statements about election interference in the 2020 U.S. election and partisan efforts to protect Donald Trump while in office. Wow, we need someone like that in our system. <laughs> it gets even better because in 2016, the Heritage Foundation ranked Ratcliffe as the most conservative Texas legislator in Congress and the second most conservative legislator in the country. So what, is that, what did you mean from that last fact? He is pretty much 95% Bibles and guns on the inside. Ah, that's, okay. That's what he's feeling right there. So <laughs> it's not him currently in battle, former U.S. House representative is he talking. Is all a descendant from the same no, guy he's named No, it's just from? fucking odds that he is also named after the character in a Disney movie. Because <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, now, so Ratcliffe, which I think it's so even funny Disney that Disney can't make this shit up. Even Disney can't make this up. They're like, but are I you make, kidding me? But I can make this shit up. I can. You, you can. you're God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I also do love that his name has rat in it and he's a skeevy little bastard. Yeah. So, and I'm talking about Jamestown one. Don't ah. say this. Uh, I have to, I have to make that. Uh, now, so he was going to this opportunity that was said to be to trade for food, but it was a trap the colonists were given empty food baskets, <laughs> and then the Powhatans uh, ambushed the settlers there, and Ratcliffe was taken to the village. Which I always imagine them like opening up their baskets. It's empty! Yeah. <gasps> and then everyone attacks. Like, That's the go! That's the go signal! Go! Uh, as he was the president of the Jamestown colony, it's pretty yeah. much a title, uh, he was seen as... Did he as, give himself that title, or did he actually earn I th- it? think he was like part of the company or something i don't know he probably didn't earn it i'll go with that uh (laughs) but he was seen as the most important person in jamestown so he in particular was sought to make an example of and now we have an interesting one you smell that corn because it's time for our very first native american on english Public execution time. Oh, wow. I'm bringing corn chowder. So Native Americans bring... Um, I feel that a wait, lot... Wait, the Native Americans are killing a white guy? Yeah, they're killing oh, John okay. Ratcliffe here, boy. So it's a potluck, okay. This is a Native American potluck. Okay, I can't I'll... make any more jokes on that or else we're going to get canceled yeah. right there. Well, I'll bring my garlic plant so at least someone else can like appreciate other They don't you. appreciate that. They want... There's three sisters, damn it. Three sisters. <laughs> uh, so first, John Ratcliffe. He's tied to a stake. That's in front of a fire. It's not in the fire yet. It's just in front uh, of the fire. He's tied to the stake. We didn't start the fire. fire. 
But the Native Americans did behind us. Now I'm going to take that out. Uh, <laughs> women removed the skin from his entire body with muscle shells oh. and tossed the pieces into the flames as he watched. Say that one more time. They removed. So they, they had a series the of women with. They had had harvested muscle shells. So yeah. you know, pretty kind of sharp. Yeah. Probably even sh- more sharpened uh, shells, and then scraped the skin off of his oh body with God. the muscle shells and then threw it in the fire. And I will also say so this he's like barely alive. Like at the yeah. end of this, I will say right now, there is a oh. big long trend in a lot of European writings on native Americans where they would play up a lot of their activities uh-huh. to make them out to be, you know, evil and the, the typical savage or what have you. Yeah. This came initially from a Native American source, so I feel like that's a little less te- has that tendency. Yeah. Here. So <laughs> I believe normally when I read that stuff from Europeans, I believe like thirty percent of it. This I'm going to a solid maybe forty nine, even fifty percent. <laughs> uh, so I will say that uh, they skinned his face last, so they I assume worked body up. I already forgot who's dying again. John Ratcliffe, okay. captain of Jamestown. Okay. He's he's a. Uh, He's kind of a mean captain. Okay. He's a mean guy. He's the Jamiest man of Jamestown. I guess. Yes. I don't get that reference. Uh, so the women are removing his muscle shells. But... He's he's the H H Holmes, uh, and they skin his face last. Oh. He's on the stake, and then or they push the stake into the fire, uh, <sighs> and they burned him at the stake. Wait, that would like hurt even more. Yeah. Now your skin is all off, and yeah. then boom, you're on fire. Like, what are your pain sensors? sensors be going out a while oh like, yeah you'd probably if, be like feeling removed. something incredible like oh not in a good God. way in a terrible way oh. uh, the story was documented by eyewitness accounts like i had mentioned uh he was given the nickname luckless captain ratcliffe <laughs> i guess i guess that's a fair nickname now in disney's pocahontas 1995 in case they do make a remake uh which i heard it <laughs> This is a YouTube conspiracy, so it is the most reliable source of anything out there. Of what? Of just anything. The okay. most reliable source. <laughs> uh, they theorize that Disney is remaking all these movies so they can continue to have control over it and won't go into the public domain. I, I think that's worth looking into, but that's all yeah, I'll say. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Uh, so Disney Pocahontas 1995, Ratcliffe was portrayed as a greedy and ruthlessly ambitious man and the film's main antagonist. Uh, his character believes that the Powhatan tribe is very barbaric and has hidden gold near the outskirts of Virginia. Where did he come up with that? I don't know. I don't know what the outskirts of Virginia would be. Yeah. Like, it's a giant <laughs> fucking place. But how do we know that where the gold is? It's on the outskirts. Yes. <laughs> it's out there. He wants to battle the Native Americans for it, despite the facts that there never was any gold in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, In his adaptation, he is accompanied by the pug Percy. This name is derived from the English colonist George Percy and his servant Wiggins. And now it gets even weirder. (laughs) Wiggins was a servant. Wiggins and the pug Percy with John Ratcliffe here. (laughs) I love this. I don't know. It sounds completely fictional. I don't remember any of this from Pocahontas. Uh, (laughs) And this is how much even more I don't 
remember, he also appeared in the direct-to-video sequel, Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World, where he plans to dupe King James into allowing him to send a large Navy armada to perpetrate a genocide against the Powhatans by attempting to sabotage the diplomatic meetings between the Powhatans and the king. He is finally exposed for his incompetence and treachery and is imprisoned by King James. So that happened in real life and in the movie? No, none of that happened. That second part never happened. That's a totally fictional movie. Oh, that only happened in the movie. Only in the direct-to-video sequel, Pocahontas 2. But he never did it in real life. He never did that, yeah. Okay. Because he died on a fire. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't do that. He didn't do that. (laughs) They skipped that part, but they were like, Oh, I need some coffee. (laughs) Should we show him being executed? No. But should we show him wanting to commit genocide? Yeah, let's do that. Let's go for that one right there. And (laughs) that was something I took from IMDb, where they were like, what does he do? Perpetrate genocide. He definitely wants but to like perpetrate if he, genocide. If he wasn't killed, that's not a bad guess of maybe what he could have done if he was like super evil all of a sudden. It's, like, <laughs> I just love that. Like, you know, we can't show him being executed. What should we do? He's definitely imprisoned. That's yeah. true. that's what we should do. <laughs> so this is uh, evil Disney John Ratcliffe. Oh, I remember that guy. Yeah. And then here, why was it, I imagining a skinnier guy from my childhood? Because that's James Captain John Smith. Yeah. <laughs> and now here's evil non-Disney John Ratcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the most perfect face for someone currently embattled in oh, a fucking. Oh, we gotta make sure we show this to like. Oh, I'm putting media. it on social media. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. so. Let's go again. And what did that guy do again? Not uh, the cartoon character, goddammit, but the wh- real. Wh- which cartoon character are you talking about? <laughs> I love that they have the same face, too. Yeah. Look at that. <clears throat> same face. Uh, he, like he was money laundering? Uh, yeah, pretty much moving money between him and his wife. Oh. Like 30000 And then he was appointed and made some so pretty unbiased appoint, yeah. uh, statements <laughs> that were just untrue. Uh, okay. So back to Jamestown. Woo! Back Woo! from the Disney and political soup that we somehow mm-hmm. got ourselves into. Woo! So the bad guy from Pocahontas just got killed. Yeah, bad guy from Pocahontas got killed after they ate a 14-year-old. Yeah. And uh, and there's yeah. John Smith in the picture? Yeah. Oh. I, yeah, John Smith is still in the picture. I do love, though, the fact they're like, you know, we need a good, heartwarming love story. What should we do? Where is that place they ate a 14-year-old girl at and we're almost <laughs> starving to death? Let's go there. Let, when I think of love, I think of that. Yeah, are you bringing up Pocahontas at all at some point? or No. Oh, <laughs> was she, like, relevant, though? Or does she not hear the story, really? For If I wanted to spend so much time on Jamestown and, like, kind of break through yeah. and, like, go through it, she would be involved, but it's very much a kind of, bro- like, a... They probably made up a huge story, too, right? Yeah. Okay, I so. mean, I'll, spoiler alert, I didn't see anything about a real named, real pug named Percy in any of my research. <laughs> so there's, like, that storiness to it. Pocahontas was a real person. James Smith was a real, or John Smith was a real person. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same story. Well, if you guys are down for a bonus episode, we can go like what actually happened in the Disney movie <laughs> yeah, what, and what did bit not. By, bit by bit. There we go. I love it. So Second movie, flat out didn't yeah. really happen at so, all. Like <laughs> there, there is like a YouTuber who does breakdowns of like the historical accuracy of uh, history movies. I would love to see him just do Pocahontas 2 and just yeah. be like, 
Or a lot None of, of Disney movies, let's be real. <laughs> he did a really good one on uh, Apocalypto. Cars uh, and how cars, cars, yeah. cars aren't actually people. My favorite, I showed you this video. Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite YouTube conspiracy theory is Cars is a sequel to A Bug's Life. Because you watch that and you're like, I just wasted 25 <laughs> minutes of my life, but I am convinced. Oh, I've wow. had those moments. Did I, did I send you the weird video I found a day or two ago How uh, from SpongeBob, the Goofy Goober? place is an alien death cult no i would okay love to i will send i will send that to <laughs> you i after. have absolutely nothing better to do before you go to bed tonight just watch <laughs> that it's 25 <laughs> minutes i'll send it to you it's ridiculous and you're you leave it and you're like i'm convinced but i don't know what the fuck i'm convinced of <laughs> they're it, not in a good situation when you're living in a time that is not only considered the worst drought in 700 years but it's also then called the starving time yeah. I don't think a lot of people in their personal or, you know, professional lives are like, I'm really succeeding at this point, they you know? They've been more optimistic about it and say the fasting time. Yeah. <laughs> we became really religious at this point, you yeah. know? We were, we had just gained a lot of weight and we wanted to trim up, you know? Mm-hmm. We were hibernating. Exactly. That's, <laughs> it's all about perspective. I love mm-hmm. it. That might be the title. <laughs> that might be the title of the episode. It's all about perspective. Uh, the remaining colonists held on through the winter of 1609 through Uh 1610 until a resupply mission arrived in May of 1610. So they were like, whoa, what's going on here? And there's fires. No one's alive. Is this the one of many or like the first one? I think this is either the second or the third one. So it's kind of one of the newer ones coming in. Yeah. And this resupply mission had quite the, uh, uh, quite the effect on Mm -hmm. the world and, just has a funny story to it. Okay. Uh, the fleet had been separated at sea, causing a ship to, quote, accidentally claim the Bermuda Islands for England. Wait, what? They accidentally claimed Bermuda. Really? <laughs> when they ended up shipwrecked on the reef there for a while with 150 sailors. Is Bermuda, wait, where's, is that? It's in the middle of the Atlantic. Yeah. It didn't, have nati- it didn't have indigenous population to it. They had known of it. Some Spanish sailors had seen it and recorded it, but no one had claimed it or thought that it had any use. So when they shipwrecked on it and was there for a while, because English people were occupying it for so long, it accidentally became a claim by the English. That's hilarious. So they weren't cocky and like. No, they didn't try to do it. They literally accidentally claimed Bermuda. Okay. Uh, Aren't these like islands pretty sizable too? This is more, uh, James, or Bermuda at least is very kind of wispy. Like there are a series of islands, but a lot of it is reefs or kind of below water. That's kind of. Uh, treachery cool. so they they got separated and were shipwrecked on the reefs there i, I uh, mean uh, instead of like well, like kind of ignoring all the stuff you have to do for surviving and whatnot um i'm like just thinking like what if like you were capable of surviving with two with little stress back then and you landed on that island that would be really cool I was thinking of something similar yesterday. Yeah. Uh, just you, you hear about how great the weather is in San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Spanish Empire, they were colonizing the Americas. They colonized so much. And then they reached San Diego and were like, well, it's not going to get much better. I don't think we need much more than this. Yeah. We have found it. <laughs> 
Why would we go further? This place is perfect. I can see like a, some sense of like truth. In that. Yeah, like <laughs> go north. It's beautiful. It's 70 all year round, yeah. dude. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Here. So they're accidentally on Bermuda. So it's a very similar thing. Like leave. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful here uh, with 150 sailors. So seven ships had arrived safely at Jamestown, which is my new favorite tongue twister there, mm-hmm. uh, delivering most of the colonists, but only a few of the supplies because the supplies were on the other ships. Oh, really? Back, okay. on, back on Bermuda, you flip back to mm-hmm. Bermuda here, a power struggle emerged between Sir George Summers, Admiral of the London Company, and Sir Thomas Gates, the appointed deputy governor of the virginia colony okay so bermuda's becoming like a part of the story now yeah bermuda's part I of the story know. i thought you were just like randomly no it, it's it actually up. part of it because <laughs> okay. it, not only is it fascinating <laughs> that they accidentally settled it but it actually kind of ties into jamestown here okay gates felt that he was in authority now that they were ashore huh. summers felt that he retained authority until the settlers included gates were landed at jamestown so okay. he was arguing gates that because we're ashore we're not at Jamestown, but I was deputy governor. I was appointed. I should be in charge. But <laughs> Summers is saying, yeah, of Virginia. Are we in Virginia, idiot? Yeah. And that's his line of faction. This is like Lord of the Flies, but with adults. This, this is very much, <laughs> this is just Survivor yeah. British edition. All right, tribes, the loser of this competition will be sent to tribal council tonight. You know, uh, factions among the shipwrecked sailors over who they supported developed. So like I said, they were breaking into tribes here. (laughs) They were shipwrecked for nine months as the survivors built two new ships. Oh, so they couldn't leave at all? They were shipwrecked there. Oh, yeah. It it wasn't like, oh, we're ducking from the storm. They wrecked themselves and had to land here. (laughs) Uh, They built two new ships using local Bermuda cedar and pieces salvaged from their original wrecks to make it to Jamestown. And in true English fashion, they left two men behind to maintain their claim of Bermuda. <laughs> All right. We're going to be picking straws. Sorry. I swear to God, if these guys live, that'll, that'll be hilarious. I didn't find any backups on there, but maintaining that Britain still has possession of Bermuda, I guess it worked out a little bit better than the Roanoke guys. <laughs> like, we'll be back. Don't worry. And I like that they're reducing numbers. They're like 15. No. Three. No. Two. Definitely will survive then. (laughs) Definitely. Next time, they're just going to leave one guy and be like, later. (laughs) You know, you got this, man. You got this. Uh, We're learning. Don't worry. (laughs) They're getting better there. Gates, the new governor, and Uh Summers assumed that they would find a thriving colony in Virginia. Instead, they found the colony in ruins and practically abandoned. (laughs) So high expectations. Is this like the third try? I get this might... I don't know when they or they said they said off. wasn't there one or two times before Roanoke. Did we go yeah, but that? I think before that they didn't go through the starvings times. They're like, oh, by this point, it's been three years. They totally should be self sufficient and <laughs> conquering their neighbors. <laughs> of the five hundred or so colonists previously living in Jamestown in the fall, so fall sixteen oh nine, they had five hundred people. They found only sixty survivors, with many of them 
still sick or dying. So <laughs> less than one in five. This uh, is not working out. Many supplies brought for Jamestown had been lost in Bermuda as this mission had brought about 140 additional people, but only a small food supply. So, hey, we brought more people, but no food at all. <laughs> the decision was soon made to abandon the fort in Jamestown. June 7th, 1610, everyone boarded the remaining ships to return back to England and began to sail down the James River. They're leaving town. We're packing up. We're going back. <laughs> In the time from this so part... Everybody's like leaving. They're giving up on this place? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So everyone... So I'll kind of set the scene with my hands here real quick. <laughs> We're at Jamestown with my left hand here. Mm -hmm. The seven ships who had delivered most of their new colonists but few supplies, mm -hmm. they reached Virginia, saw how terrible things were going, and made a decision. We're going to evacuate everyone. There's not a lot of people mm -hmm. get on our ships and we're going to head back to England. We're going to be going down the James River. And at this time with my right hand here, mm -hmm. Gates and Summers with their new Bermuda ships are coming towards the colony. <laughs> they're coming towards the colony and they're not going to recognize them. Well, it's a little bit different in this. In the time from this part of the fleet being separated, another resupply mission was sent out after most interest in the colony spread throughout England. Okay. Oh, so I guess I guess I guess I got mine mixed up. This is Summers and Gates coming back. Okay. They're going down the James River, and this new gentleman, Thomas West, uh, who's leading this new resupply mission, is coming. He's he's coming to the colony. So they're all coming towards the colony. No one is leaving. Okay. One is leaving. Gates and Summers is leaving. This new guy's coming in. He's, okay, he's I entering see the, order the scene. Now. He's mm -hmm. entering the scene. So this new resupply mission's coming down. Okay, coming and I understand in. where the ships are going. Now. Yeah, I, I made that confusing, but I may, hopefully didn't. <laughs> uh, this other mission is led by a Sir Thomas West, and that reached the James River in Virginia on June 9th, sixteen ten. You know that date, June 9th, when mm -hmm. everyone decided we're going to leave on June seventh. Uh, with and this resupply mission has 150 soldiers, so people who can defend, not just yeah. not just babies and kids, okay. um, <laughs> and a large amount of supplies. These two fleets actually run into each other. Okay. This is a huge coincidence because if they had left any earlier, they might have got out of the river before this new settlement. That's amazing. So they meet and they decide to turn around and return to Jamestown. They're like, we got more people. We've got more supplies here. Sir Thomas West. Okay, definitely everyone on board. Like, not everyone was on board for that idea. Yeah, I'm no, sure like some people were just wanted to leave it behind. Yeah, they're like, no, turning around the <laughs> ship. No, no, please, England, please. Uh, everyone I know died. I had to eat my daughter. Uh, you gave me so much hope and just took it away. It's all gone. <laughs> Uh, this Thomas West, he's appointed governor of Jamestown. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike his predecessors, West is a lot harsher and more belligerent towards the natives, where his solution was simply to engage of wars of conquest against every threat. <laughs> so what is diplomacy? That word doesn't exist in my <laughs> personal dictionary. Oh, no. And who's that guy? We Thomas have? West, the governor of Jamestown. So the okay. head honcho. He was like, you did what to the last guy who led that? Oh, no, I'm not getting my skin ripped yeah. off. <laughs> uh, this would lead to the tensions reaching a breaking point, And eventually the first Anglo-Powhatan war would break out between the colonists and the natives. I 
don't know, but I think that might be actually the setting of Pocahontas one. I think that might okay. be the time period. <laughs> what do we need? Native Americans fighting aggressive American settlers? Love story. Definitely a love story right there. Uh, Thomas ha- West, I'm sorry, Thomas West, however, would have a much more sizable effect on the Native Americans, uh-huh. the lands around him, and eventually to even modern day America would have a lasting symbol for his time here in Jamestown. Uh, His title in England back before he left was honestly one of the top five most badass things I've seen. Which was what? He was the third Baron Lord de la War. The Lord of the War. (laughs) Oh, I love that metal album. That was one of my favorite. The metal, uh, the riffs. Wait, amazing. Who wrote that album? Thomas West. No. Oh, no. I thought you were actually referencing oh, there's something. There's probably a metal album named Lord okay. of War. But I like that, though. Yeah, I like Lord <laughs> of the War. Uh, when he was ruling governor of the colony, he sent out an exploration party, which discovered a little, or not a little, I'm sorry, a large river a mm. little bit over 140 miles away, uh, where the explorers decided that they should name the river after the governor. They were sent out. He's, he's going to get the kudos. He's going to get the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they shortened it down a little bit by first removing the spaces in it and replacing war spelt with two R's, even more badass. Um, <laughs> they replaced the war, the second R, with an E, shortening it down to calling it the Delaware River. Really? From here, the valley... The local native people and eventually the state in this area would be named after the Delaware River. Is that what it means? It comes from this guy. Holy shit. I would never. That's really cool. Yeah. The people in this area. Wait, did I hear that word? Like Delaware is yeah, Delaware? Yeah, it's Delaware. Without the E? Yeah. With, they well, replace no, yeah, the E yeah, with an R. Okay. It's Delaware, but they just like D. Delaware doesn't work. Delaware, that fucking works. It sounds more British. That's fucking cool. Uh, I like that. The natives people in this area uh, were originally called the Lenape. Okay. Uh, uh, The name Lenny Lenape has a variety of translations. Uh, Okay. Some of them are original people, real people, and common people. Wait, what? (laughs) The name of their tribe translates to original people. Real people and common people. Aren't so, those all those people? Aren't all those people real though? They, they're not not real. So okay. <laughs> I imagine it more like, who are we? We're real as fuck, man. Yeah. Like they're, they're like OG, like '80s gangsters. Like yeah. we're we're OG, we're original and real, motherfucker. Put some respect on it. Put respect on it. You common. <laughs> they, the common are like the lowest denominator. I do like that. Original and common are like opposites but they somehow mean the same thing to these people we're common and original motherfuckers Mm -hmm. um Ah. now this is where we're just going to transition a little bit instead of going attack by attack between jamestown and the powhatans Mm -hmm. because it i believe they have like three wars um let's kind of mix things up we always make fun of the english because they give us a lot to make fun of because they're when their leaders are white trash, it just trickles down from there. It's trickle down economics. But well, how's James doing so far? James, I mean, he's I compared to all the other leaders, he's not bad. He's actually I, a lot better. Or... I mean, he's not at war with Spain right now. I didn't look too much into him right okay. now, but when we get into another colony, we'll talk about it. But they're increasing. I mean, they're making these colonies, so he's making an effort mm-hmm. here. Uh, but we're going to spread out and look at some other colonies that. Some were successful, some were otherwise not okay. very successful. Of 
that are relevant to us, not just, hey, we're going to go across the globe here. These are relevant to the American okay. revolution. Uh, and we're just going to look at some other European empires because some of them had successes and some of them didn't. Um, <laughs> when England is doing their thing, you know, settling, being English, general English things, yeah. you know, uh, the newly arrived Dutch Republic and the Dutch East India Company is now starting to look towards America as well for colonization. Oh. We ha- I think maybe when we are in the calamity of doing our first few episodes of season one, I think we did an episode on the Dutch. Okay. Uh, I think at least not, if not maybe. one full episode on the Dutch, we also covered the guy named Fugger or Fucker. Yep. Who I'm still trying to make a reoccurring character because I fucking love his name. <laughs> the richest man in the world named Fucker. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Dutch... They're coming in here. Uh, this is actually the start of the Dutch Golden Age, where they become a global maritime power. Uh, so right now, like, England discovered it first, right? Or no, Spain, or... Kind of a little... The English are the first to mainly colonize, like, the American okay. coast, mid-Atlantic coast. <clears throat> so and is everybody, like, deciding to do this because they heard of it, or they're all, like, already, like, wanting to get there? Spain and France and Portugal. France to a little less, but Spain and Portugal have a lot of territories like below, and France has some above. At the time, no one really wanted to settle in the mid-Atlantic, so the English started to take risks on it. I see, okay. And then, as we're going to find out, it's going to be a lot of fur trading and tobacco is going to be a big thing why people want to go there. Okay. So it's kind of like what's left, that's what we're going to go after, and now the Dutch are the second, like the second tier of that. So like, I guess what you said is like they were kind of just getting what place they can get left. Yes. But I was thinking that they were there first and then everybody was going to follow behind them. But that didn't happen. People take after them as we're going to find out. But okay. it's only after they figure out ways to make it profitable pretty much that they yeah, start to follow yeah, it. Sure. When they start to make actual colonies and can do something with it. That's when these other people are going to be following along here so yeah this is the start of the dutch golden age they're colonizing all around the world because at the same time there's also like a lot of the islands in like the uh asia in those oceans that they're going after the spice islands things of that nature that's where their money's coming from okay uh as the dutch east india company expanded eastwards like i said with colonies and ports they also started to send uh, voyages to look for a new quicker route to china okay like i said fucking northwest and northeast passage no one's ever considered them being wrong no one's ever like maybe there's nothing there um (laughs) 1609 so this is the same time as jamestown's going on merchants of the dutch east india company select an up-and-coming english sailor he's he's up and coming i that's all that was described like oh you know i i heard he's he does good work you know he yeah. just he has good hard work going on there but an up-and-coming english sailor by the name of henry hudson to lead an expedition to search for the northeast passage now the northwest passage is through the northwest so yeah. canada northeast is a little bit different northeast is above russia through the arctic above russia through the arctic so okay. you know how you go above yeah, yeah over that that's what they're trying to search for um here are some very funny things i saw about henry hudson quote details of hudson's birth and early life are mostly unknown one day he was not here the next day he was. It's crazy. It was crazy. Just manifested himself. Yeah, he, he manifested himself. He just thought about it in like a spiritual emptiness plane and then just arrived. 
the certainty <laughs> of his birth rate, the certainty of his birth date ranges from he was born in the 1560s to we have no idea. He just came, he manifested <laughs> himself. Uh, <sighs> it is thought, though, Hudson worked his way from lower roles aboard ships to eventually becoming a sea captain. So he was in the minor leagues and he eventually made it to being a major league player here. Okay. Uh, Hudson's instructions were to sail around Norway and Russia by the Arctic Ocean into the Pacific and onto China. So instead of going all the way around, we're going to go up and over and then down to China there instead of going around Africa through the Indian Ocean, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, April 4th, Hudson leaves Amsterdam aboard his ship, the Half Moon. I think that's pretty fucking sweet name right there it sounds like a fucking sports car <laughs> headed east he's aboard the half moon however he could not complete his mission as ice blocked his way as he's you know sailing through the fucking arctic ocean <laughs> here uh as like what happens on all previous such attempts for this every single time they've tried the northeast passage they ran into ice <laughs> every single fucking time so being an ingenious fucker, okay. Hudson turns his ship around and starts to head west, away from his initial his initial voyage here. Now, however, he did not want to just he didn't do this to return back home to Amsterdam. Rather, he was continuing on his voyage. When he was waiting to leave back in port, back in Amsterdam, uh, he heard rumors not of a northeast passage but of a northwest route to the Pacific through North America. Again, unsubstantiated bullshit yeah, on yeah, a fucking yeah, pier. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, acting outside of his orders, he was going to sail to America and search for the Northwest Passage. Okay. Hey, you know how we sent you that way and you went the total fucking opposite route for uh -huh. like a year? What the <laughs> fuck, dude? What the fuck? Uh, so he's going to America. He's searching for his Northwest passage on the way to america hudson has a dangerous close encounter with another reoccurring character in our story do you want to take a guess uh, it's a dangerous ocean 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 think about who's been dangerous out on the ocean the kraken close sable island ah. <laughs> the, the <laughs> island that crashed someone in episode one is back oh yeah <laughs> off the coast so Wait, one is day that I'm, the one they were supposed to check on? No, that was Rowan or Croatoan. This is okay. a random island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean that I think Grenville fucking ran into and then ended up sinking. <laughs> so he runs into Sable Island again. Uh, okay. <laughs> by, I, I just thought that was funny. They're like, you fuckers run into the same island every time. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's like a Native American tribe that just watched another one hit the island. Another one hit the it's island like, out there. How do you accidentally hit this island? Is it only like yeah. a foot does out of the no water? One ever, like, <laughs> does no one ever in the directions go, make sure not to hit that island. You definitely won't see it. Like go, <laughs> go 200 feet north. Uh, by July, Hudson and his ship have crossed the ocean, landing on Nova Scotia uh, in uh, Canada. Okay. Up, up there. On land, they met... Local natives who had who had experienced trading with the French, French were here. The natives were reported to be willing to trade things like beaver pelts, but eventually no trade would happen. There is a reason, though. It's not like negotiations broke down. It's because July 25th, a dozen men from Hudson's ship, armed with muskets and a small cannon, landed and assaulted the village nearby, driving the people from the settlement and took their property Probably the pelts and the goods that they were going to trade for. <laughs> we could trade for them, or we could just rob them. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I did visually imagine like 
they're armed with their muskets for landing and then one guy has to land with the cannon and he just has it on his back and he's like fuck and he just slams it on the ground right there um now august so that was july august hudson continues south exploring okay uh and reaches the chesapeake bay where he turns north continuing on until september Wait, random question does he need to do this does anyone ever need to do anything? I don't know. No. Like, <laughs> so he probably would have been fine reporting back to his fucking Amsterdam and just saying, I tried, but I couldn't get through the ice. But yeah. he's taking a risk and going across the ocean outside of his order. So to answer your question, no, he doesn't yeah. need to do any of this. <laughs> Though he does have an effect, so I guess in the end. But he's by the Chesapeake Bay, and he turns north. That's because he knew that that was English territory. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to fuck with the English at this point. Everything is, there's been five years of peace. How about we don't explode all of Europe into yeah. a giant all-out <laughs> war again? I don't know. Um, so September 3rd, he reaches the entry of a river that was initially called the North River yeah. in New York, but has a name a lot more familiar, the Hudson River, as it is <laughs> named after him. Nice. Um, September. So they arrive September 3rd. September 6th, his crew member, John Coleman, is killed by an arrow to his neck that was shot by a Native American. Now, I just wanted to check out this story, like, or not even story, this uh, guy, John Coleman, being killed. When I found... Arguably one of the dumbest articles I've ever read in my life, and I'm probably going to read a good deal of it, but it's just so fucking funny. Yeah. The title of it, this is from the New York Times, so it's an official paper. It's not like some, you know, random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's by Sam Roberts from 2009, so before everything happened. Okay. New York's coldest case, a murder 400 years old. (laughs) I like this. I like true crime shit. This is true crime here. Okay. uh, This is reading from it. Quote, the victim, John Coleman. (laughs) not much is known about him much less about his murder his body was hastily buried and was never found a weapon was recovered but it vanished the only account of the crime is a secondhand pieced together from a few witnesses some who have might have harbored a grudge the chief suspects were singled out because of racial profiling but were never questioned no one was ever prosecuted it was on september 6 1609 400 years ago Sunday, when this, the first recorded in murder in what would become metropolitan New York, was committed. Damn. Coleman was killed only four days after the first, first Dutch and English sailors arrived. There's a reason it's still a cold case, said Detective Michael J. Palladino, president of the city's detective union, mulling the scant evidence that remains today. Because it's 400 years yeah. ago before <laughs> fucking New York existed. Is there DNA? Yeah, that's oh all my. we need. <laughs> Some three. Uh, this is a great quote here. Some three hundred people have already been murdered in the city so far in two thousand nine. Let's solve this murder from four hundred <laughs> years ago. Then, <laughs> typically, half the homicides are solved in the first year and twenty percent the year after. It's <laughs> like the, the people in New York are like, we're reopening the case. <laughs> we're reopening a cold case of a four hundred year old one. We, our luck might be thin, but we're going to try to talk to all the witnesses back then. <laughs> Relatively few are solved decades after they occur, although some are. So it's about time modern police brains were brought to bear on the murder of John Coleman. Some detectives gamely agreed to apply their scales to the case during interviews. Uh, in addition to Detective Palladino, there was Joseph A. Polino, who commanded the police detective's cold case homicide squad and now teaches at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. A couple of historians were consulted to add context. The facts, <laughs> as they are known, parentheses, 
maybe. <laughs> okay, I can see like them doing this not to like necessarily like take this as a serious case, but to kind of show like okay, like here's how we treat every case and here's what you should take from that i totally see that yeah Yeah. like like they're like oh we can apply it to older cases but the fact Mm -hmm. that this is just written like there's been 200 something homicides this year it's like more fun to think about it in this sense in a way so this is them breaking it down coleman was an accomplished sailor (laughs) one of a handful of englishmen in henry hudson's largely dutch crew of 16 so they're breaking down the time by time yeah they sailed into new york harbor early that september on on the 80 foot long half moon searching for our northwest passage and anchored somewhere between coney island and sandy hook we have to ride the cyclone roller coaster the only contemporary account of the murder is a journal kept by the first mate robert jute his only source were the four survivors of a reconnaissance mission that coleman had commanded and their version was taken at face value detective paladino saw a problem right there quote in this day and age you wouldn't accept that as an answer he said it doesn't seem that there was any intentions to investigate because it's 400 years yeah. ago <laughs> on a mission. <laughs> September 6th was a Sunday. After morning prayers, Hudson dispatched Coleman and Fort Dutchman in a 16-foot-long shallop. They ranged <laughs> as far as 18 miles past sweet-smelling flora. What? Flora. To explore what might have been Kill Von Cole in Network Bay or even further north. Two 40-foot dugout canoes approach. It's a drive-by now. It's a drive-by. One with 16 Indians and one with 14. It may have been a war party. The Fort Dutchman crew said later that they were set up upon. They were apparently unable to ignite a small cannon because of rain, but probably mustered enough firepower from muskets to frighten the Indians, the historians suggested. The Indians shot arrow pointed with sharp stones. Crewmen, two crewmen were wounded. Coleman, whose chest may have been sheathed in armor, was struck in the neck and bled. The survivors rode for hours, searching for the half moon. Finally, at 10 a.m. on September 7th, they returned to the ship with Coleman's body. He was buried later that day, either in Coney Island, Staten Island, Sandy Hook, or Keensburg, New Jersey, a spot that Hudson named Coleman Point. Why were there five possible locations that he was buried? I don't know, but when they brought his body back on his September 7th, that's my birthday. <laughs> True. Yay, happy birthday. <laughs> they also have a picture here of Palladino here, and he's the most New York-looking guy. He's like, I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> the lack of a precise burial site bothers professional Professor Paulini. We would have to try and find the body. Are you really going to examine a 400-year-old body for this yeah. shit? Quote, Upon examining the body, we find out how exactly he was killed, Professor Paulini said. Was it an arrow the Indian shot or blunt force by some sort of instrument that was made to look like an Indian arrow by one of the men on the ship who didn't like him? Now it's a conspiracy. Okay. Now it's a conspiracy. Either he was just like, you know. Either it was an attack or this is a setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Two people were injured. They would be key witnesses. We'd examine their injuries and see how they were inflicted. Everyone on the ship would have to be interviewed. Were there any disgruntled employees? Any animosity towards him? Was this an opportune time to get rid of him? (laughs) They are saying it's a conspiracy. Quote, apparently none of these questions were asked in 1609. I wonder why. I can see how they're being over the top. It feels like they're really trying to be over the top. The reason I'm spending so much time time on this is because it's so fucking funny. This is the only time you can be over the top about something. (laughs) Apparently (laughs) none of these questions were asked in 1609. (laughs) Circumstantial evidence suggested that the answers might have revised the record described by Jute and embellished by historians. We don't have the honest (laughs) truth. Whoa. 
The many complaints Hudson and Jute made suggest that the Half Moon crew was a typical... (laughs) Wow, this is a quote. I forgot this one. (laughs) The many complaints Hudson and Jute made suggest that the Half Moon crew was a typical blend of sociopath and working men. Jesus what? Christ, they're sociopaths. Catholic, Who's sociopaths? The crew of the half moon, the people oh, on the ship. Okay. <laughs> Let's sail across the ocean with a bunch of sociopaths, said Kathleen Huser, public historian at the New York Historical Society. Jute, who Hudson described as mean-tempered and one who historians would call his, quote, evil genius, later, oh, I'm not going to mention that, they'll don't i didn't say that i didn't say that he's an evil genius though Uh, okay coleman had been recruited by hudson apparently as his second mate after serving as a trusted boatswain on an earlier voyage unlike hudson he also spoke dutch in a letter to his wife he contemporarily wrote of the dutch crew quote looking at their fat bellies i fear that they think more highly of eating than of sailing oh my god i'm on board with a bunch of fat psychopaths get me the fuck off this boat yeah oh my god (laughs) just two days sorry that last one i was i would have never predicted that last thing i think (laughs) more highly of eating than of sailing just two days before the murder in the crew's first encounter with the indians along the river Some came aboard the half moon, seeming very glad of our coming, Jute wrote. Still, they were probably wary of the new arrivals. The Indians might have heard of the crew's actions a few weeks before in Maine, where, Jute wrote, the crew dragged the Indians from their homes, quote, and then took the spoils of them as they would have done us. Or perhaps they heard of the explorer Samuel de Chaplin's recently bloody encounter with the Indians to the north. Quote, it might have been retaliation, not aggression, said Mrs. Husler. Quote, I'm sure they were Indians. James Ring Adams, a senior historian at the National Museum of the American Indian, said to the perpetrators. So where are we at right now? We're still in this murder. Okay. We're still in this murder. I'm still reading this article because it's fucking weird as shit. Um, so they, they think... It was a Native American who killed him. Everyone was just asking a bunch of questions. Okay, so if the possibility of if it was foul play, they kind of just looked into it to finally like yeah, they, they were sa- those they were saying that been happening for four hundred years. I I know they're talking about a cold case, but what I'm getting from it is if it was 2009 when this article was written mm-hmm. and four dudes are in a boat and then two canoes of 16 and 14 people came up and there was a murder, they would still investigate that. That's okay. what I'm getting from this. Ah, okay. <laughs> so this guy says, I'm sure it was Indians. Uh, well, a senior- can you investigate uh, a crime uh, in a part of land that wasn't officially your land yet? Like, that's a whole, yeah, that's a whole you know legal I mean? dispute. Like, yeah. yeah, like legally, sir. <laughs> we were in America yet. Yeah, it, they were there. Uh, quote, this leaves a question. Was this a renegade band or another tribe possibly based on Staten Island or from farther north on the river? Perhaps the two canoes were not a war party, but had approached the small boat offering help. (laughs) Somehow we just showed up to help and then someone ended up dead. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Too late. No, two nights later, according to Jute, Indians came aboard the Half Moon to trade with the crew without betraying any knowledge of the Coleman murder. "Quote: He was English. The crew was Dutch," said Detective McNeely. "You couldn't rule anybody out. We we detain everybody, including the injured sailors. <laughs> you couldn't just take the word of someone else. They could say he was attacked by the Indians. It would be easy to make that up. I don't know if that's racial profiling, but it's definitely scapegoating." Oh my God. <laughs> Coleman, Coleman's murder inspired a poem by Thomas Frost. I'm not going to read the poem. So yeah, that was that was a murder 
an unsolved murder of John Coleman that I, like I said, I was like, oh, I just want to read about that guy dying, and now I get a cold case murder. Why did we bring up that murder again? I'm because sorry. he was on Hudson's quest, and they killed him in oh, New yeah. York. That's right. That's and <laughs> I was, I remember texting you, oh, I found this funny article. I want to bring up some quotes. And then I read the whole thing and texted you, holy fuck, I'm going to talk about this fucking article because it's hilarious. <laughs> Now you gotta send that to me. I, I will. I will send you that. So, uh, if things couldn't get any worse, coincidentally, this is where it gets even worse. A few days after the murder, Hudson reached the Bay of New York on September 11th. Oh my God! <laughs> Should we delay it one day? No. What's wrong with September 11th yeah. in New York? <laughs> in about a hundred of 350 years. Oh boy! Uh, by the end of September, after exploring up the river named after him. Hudson decides to turn back and return to Europe. Okay. He's like, we've solved this murder, and I've found a big river. He reached England in early November. So he left Amsterdam with the Dutch, but he lands in England, where he is immediately taken into custody (laughs) uh, as they wanted his travel logs. They wanted to know what the fuck he found so they could go settle it themselves so they wouldn't need to send someone. However, he was able to sneak his travel logs to Amsterdam kind of sneaking it there via his crew without the English getting it. So now he's a special agent. Um, <laughs> his voyage is very important as he was u- it was used to establish the Dutch and their claim to this region for future colonization. So New York, you know how you go to the liquor store, there's New Amsterdam? Yeah. We're going to be talking about that in the next episode. Not the liquor, New Amsterdam. Oh, okay. It will be fun. sounds fun. It will be fun, I promise. Now, uh, (laughs) 16... If not, I'm done forever. Exactly. Hey, Paul here. No Nolan anymore. Uh, He left because I didn't live up to his standards. He's dead. He's dead. Dead inside, actually. Yeah, dead inside. Dead from the podcast. (laughs) 1610, now under the English flag as very much a free agent market here. You can go play for whoever the fuck you want. Okay. It doesn't matter like there's some people who like take national loyalty very serious i will only sail for the spanish okay and then there's other explorers who's like who the fuck is paying me the most to go do this? okay so that's why you get columbus who's an italian sailing for the spanish uh, that's why you got yeah, some italians okay. sailing for the english english sailing for the dutch when you were first talking about like the Italian and Spanish, I just like was just dumb enough and forgot to separate those in my mind. <laughs> I mean, they're very close, but it's whatever. Yeah. So under the English flag, now Hudson obtained funding from the Virginia Company and the British East India Company for another voyage. He's mm. like, I'm going back this time. This time he stayed far north. Some said not to encroach on the land that he had claimed for the Dutch. He's like, I already, I can't double dip in that. I mean, I'm going to cause wars and I don't want to be a Francis Drake in this situation. <laughs> um Eventually, by August 1610, so again, just to put it in perspective, this is happening at the same time Roanoke is kind of coming back. They're, yeah. they're returning home. Uh, August 1610, he would reach and then eventually begin to map what is now known as the Hudson Bay, that giant cool. bay up That's, north. Okay. Excitement was very high due to the expectations that the ship had finally found the Northwest Passage through the continent. <laughs> we did it. No, why is there land? Damn it. <laughs> Fuck. We were so close. Hudson spent months mapping and exploring the shores of the bay, but he and his crew did not find their much-desired passage to Asia. So when they found that land, they were extremely disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> in November, so they got there in August, November, the ship had become trapped by the ice and the crew was forced ashore for the winter. <gasps> so they are forced a crew ashore in the Canadian wintertime. 
Now Hudson's plan for the spring so was did they just like find the like land and just pretty like much camp? yeah yeah and just can do you think we can survive here yeah is there is there mosquitoes and natives here no no <laughs> all right I think this one's good um, I guess that's better better than nothing <laughs> yeah Hudson's plan was for the spring I'm just thinking to, about the cold yeah I mean you go outside now <laughs> uh, and. In the springtime, they were going to continue exploring for the Northwest Passage. Yeah. But his crew wanted to return home. Okay. They wanted to go back home to England. I mean, I would too. Like. Me, yeah, me too. <laughs> Fuck that. In June. There's so much shit going on. Where are we? Why don't they just like utilize a place as best as they can and just settle? Like it looked, They it need a passage. Like, Damn it, Nolan. But when they got the soldiers, like I was thinking, okay, they can just, you know, build the place. Build it. They can like do the horrible things of like, you know, fighting off people about that that time but it's like come on they're just, I, they are really figuring it out as they, they need go. more it's gamblers yeah. <laughs> uh however it kind of came to a part in june a large part of his crew mutinied against hudson here <laughs> quote descriptions of the successful mutiny are one-sided because the only survivors who could tell their story were the mutineers and those who went along with the mutiny that, that's setting a tone for what's about to happen here. Uh, so they're mutiny against Hudson here. According mm-hmm. to the ship's navigator, the leaders of the mutiny were Henry Green and Robert Jute, that guy from before. Okay. Uh, that's, I can see them being justified. Yeah, just being Jute's really fun. annoyed by this guy and his yeah. decision making. You want us to turn around now? Uh, the <laughs> navigator's account tells of how the mutineers set Hudson his teenage son, John, and seven crewmen who they either considered Hudson loyal likes or men who were either sick. So <laughs> either you're with him or you're sick. Yeah. And they were set adrift <laughs> into Hudson Bay in a small open boat. That doesn't sound legit. That sounds like something something else happened. Never mind. I take that back. Okay, but holy crap. So do you expect, do you suspect foul, foul play? I don't suspect foul play. Well, I suspect them forcing them out there. I yeah. pictured very much the scene. In but they the, said they did that on their own will. No, they didn't do it on their own will. No, no. Uh, the mutineers yeah. forced Hudson, his teenage son, and the seven crew member into the boat. They forced oh. him in there. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I feel like it was either either we kill you on I land you said, or we're sending you on I the I thought ocean. you said Hudson and his son chose to do that. No, his son. Uh, Never mind that. I his, take that back. Yeah, his okay. son, John. His son, okay. John. Um, and they were set up drift in the Hudson Bay in a small open boat. Uh, and I very much pictured the scene in uh, that third Batman movie where they force people out onto the ice and they fall right through. Uh, uh, okay. That's what I saw. No, um, no, I don't understand. Okay, so I was a little confused, but God! usually I always am, but it's all good. <laughs> Even worse now. <laughs> the remaining mutineers got aboard their larger vessel, their boat, their ship uh-huh. pretty much, and started to sail away with the small boat carrying Hudson and company frantically trying to keep up by paddling. Okay. <laughs> you know, going fast. <laughs> this kept up until the main vessel extended additional sails and took off, leaving Hudson and the small boat behind, never to be seen again. So Hudson is... Hudson's fate remains unknown. Oh. Uh I would be willing to take a wager on what actually happened to okay. it. Probably didn't make it back home to England. I'll say yeah. that in the fucking boat. Um, no, made it back and just started a new life. Very much so. So there's actually kind of a painting of this that we'll post on social media of Hudson and his small little child on a boat. 
Oh, that's depressing as fuck. That looks like an awkward family photo for <laughs> he sure. He looks like Aqualung. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's going to play the flute and fucking piss people off. And then you got the sick guy there, too. He's like, yeah. why am I considered part of this? <laughs> uh, the voyage home, though, was not uh, very well for the sailors here. Quote, five mutineers died on their return voyage. Four, including Henry Green, were killed in a clash with the Inuit at Diggs Island at the northeast end of the Hudson Bay. So they got killed by a bunch of Inuit Eskimos. Uh, Jute died of starvation only days before the ship reached the British Isles. What? (laughs) That's so sad. That's funny as shit. Oh, my God. When the battered discovery, the ship drifted into the company of a fishing fleet off the coast of Ireland on on September 6th, the original crew of 28 was down to eight, or 23 was down to eight. And this so, is all the people. Mutineers. Mutineers. The pe- yeah. These are the people who left Hudson home of the 23 who left. It was down to eight. Okay. Do you think they're in the right run or just kind of indifferent? Like there's chaotic neutral. I think they're in that. I mean, when you're a mutineer, shitty, though, I mean, th- they could have just left him on land. Yeah. But the rest of that stuff, they're probably just normal colonists. Okay. They're probably not in the wrong for leaving them there, but they were in the wrong for everything else they okay, did. Cool. Just, you know, okay. Sometimes a broken clock is right once, twice a yeah. day. You know, that sometimes happens here. Like, did he have a shitty crew or did they piss them off? To he probably be, pissed them off. To become a shitty crew. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty much kind of push it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so now after this very successful voyage for the Dutch... Or the first one was successful for the Dutch when they found New York. A wave of trading expeditions were sent by the Netherlands to the Americas. Uh, One of these expeditions was led by a Dutch captain. Okay. Thiz Valkens Mazel. (laughs) T-H-I-J-S. That's the first one. That's the first name. Mr. Mazel. Mr. Mazel. So that's Thiz. T-H-I-J-S. V O L C K E N Z. Oh, Vazel? Voxel. 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 Not Mazel. Mazel is the last name. Oh, Mazel. shit. Okay. But his name is Thiz Vox Vulcan's Mazel. Okay. I'm still He's one of my Mr. favorite Mazel. Minecraft YouTubers. No. <laughs> uh, so he was sent out with his ship, the Yong Tobias, J O N G Tobias, like okay. from Arrest Development, and was tasked with exploring the lands found by Hudson. So he was going to be sent to New York to explore these lands. Thiz, hi, Thiz, I guess that's his name, Thiz, hired a renowned linguistics expert from Santa Domingo, which is the modern-day Dominican Republic, okay. named Juan Rodriguez to serve as the translator on the trading voyage to Lenape Island off the coast of New York. Uh, Juan Rodriguez was born to an African mother and a Portuguese father that was a sailor, and he was raised in a culturally diverse environment in the Spanish settlement of Santo Domingo. So he's experienced. He has expertise in different languages, hearing things. His dad was a sailor. He knows what he's doing. Okay, yeah. So they go up in 1613 and land on this island off the coast of New York. Uh, Some might know it for its modern-day name, but at this time it was called Manhattan, uh, where Juan soon learned the language of the Lenape people and married into the community. When Maso returned to the Netherlands, 
Rodriguez stayed behind with his Lenape family and set up his own trading post with goods given to him by Mazel, mainly consisting of 80 hatchets, some knives, a musket, and a sword. So imagine that fucking general store. What do you got? I got 80 hatchets, I got a gun, and I got a sword. <laughs> Anything else for you today? I, I wonder what I'm going into for that business out there. Um, Juan remained in Manhattan, or what would become Manhattan, and future Dutch traders would use him as an intermediary to trade with Native Americans. Okay. Some historical evidence exists to suggest he was absorbed in the new Amsterdam community and was still residing in the city as late as the 1640s. I mention Juan Rodriguez as he is considered to be the first non-Native resident of what would eventually become New York City. So every time you stereotypically imagine, you know, New York accents, you know, strong Brooklyn, Staten Island, you have to throw in some Dominican twang to it, and it has to be a lot spicier. (laughs) And I feel like there is a huge Dominican uh, community in New York. I'm surprised they don't, like, talk about this every single fucking day. Like, anyone says something bad about anything, you're like, you know who first founded New York, motherfucker? (laughs) Juan did. Fucking Juan was there. Yeah, first. why don't they use that? Honestly, there is a road named Juan Rodriguez Boulevard Parkway, something like that. Okay. But uh, I'm I'm here. Would to that stand be the a... same Juan Rodriguez though? <laughs> well, here's the good news: it covers <laughs> all of them. Like how my name is Paul Davis, and yeah. all Paul Davises are covered by that. Yeah. Every Juan Rodriguez can <laughs> empathize with that. So if there was like you know some random baseball player at some point for like the Yankees or Mets named Juan Rodriguez, he can be like. It's named after me. It's named after me here. And then people are going to notice it for the first time yeah. by like making that It's like how I, I take credit for that company named Paul Davis. I do the yeah. same thing. I'm, I tell people, oh, yeah, it's my company. And they're like, really? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, by 1614, so they arrived in 1613, 1614, mm. the term New Netherlands is being used to describe the series of Dutch forts and settlements in North America at this point. They're starting to set up more. They were mainly located along the Hudson River through what would be modern-day Albany up in New York from Manhattan Island. With that, that's all the notes I have here today. Uh, what we're going to be talking about in the la- next episode, oh, not wow, the last that's episode. It? That's it. I know. I, I wanted to keep it a little bit shorter because I had that murder. Uh, no, true crime. Uh, true crime stands true. But next episode, we're going to be talking about New Netherlands, New Amsterdam, and uh, a secret agent. A secret agent named Peter Midnight. Okay. Yeah. I'm but wait, g- so what's going on with Jamestown? Is that pretty much it then? Like Jamestown, I'll try and mention them, but this is the development of Are there of people an, there when we they're still, off? Yeah, Colony okay. is still going. Colony is growing. They're kind of... Oops, but Hudson spice. just like went off to do his own thing. And just yeah, I, I talked about Hudson and uh, New Netherlands because at first I thought I would have enough room in my notes to cover all of that. Uh, But as we're going to see, I'm going to need another episode, but it's going to (laughs) be a lot of fun because uh, Peter Midnight is a fascinating guy and has a big effect still to this day. And a modern trope that a lot of people repeat. Uh, We're going to be kind of breaking down and getting into it. Okay. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about another country trying to colonize one that at least outside of Minnesota, you don't really think about having a big effect on colonization. Uh, you'll understand. Okay. You'll understand. So you're not going to tell me I got to wait until next time? No. 
Uh, I'll tell you off air, but I I gotta have cliffhangers, damn it. But in the meantime, you guys, in the week coming, you can leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. That's the best Mm -hmm. way to help us grow. And again, or Spotify, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Audible, if we get there, YouTube. You know, shout it out from the rooftops or the street corners too. Five stars. <laughs> uh, but again, we just want to say thank you for everyone who listened to the first episode. I've been trying to promote it more here. I've been trying to get us out there. So if you heard it that way, thank you for listening. If you heard us because you typed in Roanoke and you found us, thank you two times. Yeah. And please continue to listen. I'm scared mm-hmm. that I need to label this episode Roanoke Part 3 to continue the listeners <laughs> to come through. I don't want to lie to you guys like that, but please stick around because I swear... Even if it's not Roanoke Island, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're having a lot of fun here. We're trying to have weird, interesting, quirky things happening that are true. Are true. But are going to be a lot of fun uh, here. Okay. I know you don't want it to be true, but... I know. I like lies. <laughs> Actually, you, I love hypotheticals. You live on a throne of lies. <laughs> I love that quote there. Uh, but, yeah, reviews ratings always great interact with us on social media we'll post some of these really funny images we mentioned here uh i'll show you one other one nolan here we'll mention it too yeah uh you can just see on hudson's voyages first you can see him turning around oh my god which is funny and then the best part is you have one arrow but no returning <laughs> arrow because that's where he dies in the bay okay so, so i can see that's a way a way more clear picture yeah so he goes to new york this is where the murder happens and then this is where the abandonment happens <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so those are I the story i have that picture better but I'll show. I'll post it. But the biggest thing I wanted to talk about Hudson is you have the Hudson River, you have Hudson Bay, two giant things, and the dude had two voyages, and that's it. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. But on that very fun note, on that great time, mm-hmm. I just want to say again, thank you for listening. Oh, thank you so much, thank everybody. So much. This has been the Back Row Lessons Podcast. My name is Paul, and I'm Nolan Meshke, and we'll see you next week. Woo!